As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. I have terrible news for you. I won't be coming to visit you in Dallas for an Ohio State Cotton Bowl playoff appearance. Actually was kind of sad for me. I was really looking forward to having you here for a few days. Um, but I know that yeah. we are the kings of grab ass on this show. I don't know how much laughing we, we should do are. today because I don't think people might be in the mood for that. It's football, know, man. It's not a okay. funeral. It's football. We're I just I feel bad because I know that that like okay. Let's just get into it. Ready? So first yeah, of all, yeah. Let's get into okay. It. Yeah. Let me say the score real quick. Ohio okay. State lost to Michigan. Now everybody, if you missed the game but listening to this podcast somehow, you should go see a therapist and then continue listening. But like, uh, thank you for the score. <laughs> I just want to start here. Has there been a lower point? On the field. I don't need to start with the Zach Smith stuff and, you know, Urban Scandal and Tadgate and all that. On the field since 2012 when Urban took over. Uh, yeah, I would think so. They you got think shut being out shut out game. by a clearly superior team in the playoff game is worse than getting your ass kicked by Michigan with the playoff on the line? I think they're both bad. I, I, I mean, no. I mean, I, I guess you can make the argument that losing to Michigan's worse, for sure. Um, I would say like having a generational team being two steps away from competing for a dynasty and losing to a backup quarterback at home against Michigan State in 2015 was pretty bad too. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not saying that there weren't bad losses. I just feel like this one is going to sting more because no matter what happened with Ohio State, they always had this. You know, this was the thing that they had. Dominance over a rivalry that they were, you know, killing or killed. You know, I wrote a story a few years ago that the rivalry was dead. It's very much alive. Um, I I don't know if it really matters. I guess we can get into semantic arguments about whether this one was worse or the 15th. The point is, is that this is a very low point for Ryan Day. Mm -hmm. And we'll get into the game and we'll discuss it. But I do think that. You know, I'm not dramatic, I don't think. And if I am, tell me by saying that this is a pretty critical juncture in his coaching tenure. And, and I posted a tweet 
and you saw it and you actually were making fun of me about it. And I guess maybe I just, I, I said it wrong, but let me just read it. And I just want you to like, tell me if you think I'm nuts, you know, because sometimes I am nuts during the game. I get, I get emotional and excited and, you know, I like to, you know, go off the cuff a little bit because I think Twitter's fun, but Here's the tweet, and then you tell me what you, what your reaction to that is. There have been plenty of lows dating back to the beginning of the Urban Meyer era, but when was Ohio State been lower than this? Season lost because it got its ass kicked by Michigan. This is the type of game that results in major changes across the board for the program. Yeah. Uh, it felt a little... Um, what's the word? I don't know I don't know if hyperbolic is the right word or not. I, I, I get where you're coming from, and I think a lot of people might have saw that and, and thought you were talking about like get rid of the head coach um and and I know that's not what you meant but I also know that that's I also understand why people would go that way um especially considering the nature of, of, of college football right now um I don't I think Michigan's pretty good and they lost to a good team on the road and like I, I get it it's like it's the rivalry they haven't lost in forever Whenever you like, it should never be okay for you to lose that game. I'm not saying it's okay that they lost that game. I'm like not quite there yet on like program defining or redefining or whatever, um, because I th- I think the Ohio State Michigan rivalry like requires more than just like a one game snap judgment. If this is changing something, like if Michigan's going to be this from now on, and this is this, this rivalry is what it was 20 years ago or 30 years ago, then yeah, maybe some recalibration needs to happen. But like. I don't know if everything that happened on that field on Saturday is like throw the whole thing in the fire and start over again. You know what I mean? Like I, I think there are issues and issues that cost them a loss in the beginning of the year that crept back up, but I don't know if there's like Michigan-centric issues. I think Ohio State's issues that need, need to be addressed like go deeper than that. But yeah, I don't yeah know, we're, like, we're like, talking so- about a program that demoted a very loyal and steadfast assistant coach after losing a Week 2 game against Oregon. And I understand that that might have been in conjunction with what happened in the national championship game. But every single time Ohio State has suffered a ground-shaking loss, there have been changes the following year. And it's like, is Ohio State's defensive staff going to be very different next year? Yeah, but it's not It's not just because of this. Like they were bad. They were bad last year. They were bad in the beginning of this year. They played terrible teams, and we never knew how good they were. And then they played another competent team, and it turns out they're still bad. But like, it's yeah, not. Yeah, it might not have been because of this. But if Ohio State would have continued to mask it and would have won the game as everybody was anticipating they would, and then went into the playoff, and then you know made it to the national championship game because everybody in the playoff sucks this year except Georgia, you might be able to say, well, they made the national title, then you get another year of this. So I don't think that this is a one-off, they lost this game, change everything, fire everyone type of scenario. But I do wonder this, and this is the prevailing thought that I have, and this is something that we should have considered, and I think I need to do a better job on this podcast of considering. Because I do think that I do just shy away from addressing issues or I'm not strong enough or stern enough in how I actually feel because I just feel like they're going to figure it out because of their recruiting rankings. And it's like, just because Ohio State is recruited the way it's recruited doesn't mean they get the benefit of the doubt that they're just going to fix everything all the time. And it's like, I was way too quick to get back in on the train of their back after they beat the crap out of a bunch of shitty teams in the middle of their schedule. Mm-hmm. And like maybe the Michigan State game would have fooled everybody. 49 nothing at halftime against a team that beat Michigan. I understand how I might have fallen for that trap. But Ohio State does not have a single reliable defensive playmaker on this team. And I don't know how, how they got to that point. Uh, subpar recruiting in 2018 and 2019 and like, okay. Recruiting in 2020, but not great. So it's just like, now we have to wait three years or two more years for them to get guys back into the program. Like Denzel Burke, who, who might be the only identifiable star in the making right now. It just seems like for how Ohio state has recruited that, Yes, it hadn't been up to the standards in 2019, especially because they had a small class and you know some of the guys that they hit they recruited missed. But it is truly odd to watch Ohio State the way they lost that game. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know, like Michigan's offense is average. Like let's just call it what it is. And the entire game plan you would think from an Ohio State. I don't think Michigan. I don't think Michigan's offense is average. I think it 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 is 
lacking explosion in a way that Ohio State We'll see how average to. they are if they end up playing Georgia this year. And what – yeah, I mean, probably a little bit more explosive. I'm not – I'm just saying average in comparison to the elite level offenses that Ohio State's faced in the past. The game plan should have been – what what it is? Slow the run down. Don't let them pound it up your throat, down your throat, and make Cade uh, McNamara put him in a position where he has to make a play. And I don't think that the entire game, Michigan's quarterback was ever put in a situation where he had to make a play. And it's just like a very odd way of losing. Like it just seven yards, seven yards, seven yards, seven yards, blown off the ball. I think I read a stat somewhere, and you tell me if if you read this too, Bill. But Hassan Haskins had a hundred yards of rushing before being contacted is that is that right yeah that's what uh some, somebody commented on my story and said like i really enjoy when bill does his film breakdowns but i'm not so i'm not sure there's much to, much more to say here other than ohio state got its ass kicked which is like 100 percent true like there's not there wasn't uh like you like uh josh gaddis like toying with ohio state's defensive scheme and finding the deficiencies and attacking the weak spots this was just like we're gonna line it up and run it up your ass for three hours <laughs> and that's what it was and i think uh I saw a similar set to you. It was like I think it was like two and a half or three yards before contact per rush or something like that for for Hassan Haskins. Like they were, Ohio State was getting blown off the ball, and like and I think that happened against Oregon too, and I think it happened against Minnesota. And this was really the first team they've played since then that was capable of doing something similar. Um, I guess you could say Michigan State was, but that game was a blowout so early that it, that it didn't matter. Michigan State couldn't play that way. So like this was this was like a straight up, we're going to play the way we want to play, and the way we want to play is something that you can't stop. Um, which is like, I like obviously they need to reshuffle this defensive staff and probably bring in somebody new and like figure out which direction they want to go. But also like that's that's not scheme. That's just it's a talent issue. It's a like competitiveness issue I think like it's a it's a preparedness issue like it's not it's not just a defensive scheme that that needs to be you know addressed in this offseason they are they are not as good as they should be from a talent standpoint up front front seven um just defensive linemen and linebackers getting totally blown off the ball and that that cannot happen when you're Ohio State really playing anybody um but it definitely can't happen when you're playing Michigan like that is that that's the kind of thing that like gives Michigan confidence that they can beat you again moving forward, and like the kind of thing where like Michigan can establish some kind of physical dominance in this rivalry where it actually does change, um, and and become something more than what it was the last few years. Like that was, I guess I'm not shocked because it's happened before, but I think me and and I don't know if you did, but I think a lot of people thought that they had gotten some of that fixed, and clearly they had not. I'm very curious about what this means in the grand scheme of things. You know, because it's easy to sit here and, you know, they got their butts kicked. And I don't necessarily believe that Ohio State now is going to all of a sudden not be able to win this game. Like, Ohio State going into the Michigan game next year right now, if there was a a spread that was Ohio State minus seven, I would take it right now. Like, there's not – it's not like I'm I'm in a situation where I think that the the rivalry has flipped. But if you think about it this way, Michigan – is going to be a favorite and likely beat Iowa in the Big Ten championship game. Then they will be the two seed in a playoff where they will face a team that they're more than capable of beating because Alabama might not be in it, Clemson's not in it, and Ohio State that they just beat is not in it. Like We could be literally a month away from a Michigan, or a month and a half or whatever the date is, from a Michigan birth in the national title game as a result of what happened on that field. So... When you look at the way that they've recruited, which I've been very, very uh, critical of, you could be in a situation now where Michigan has a Big Ten championship, makes the playoff, and plays for a national champion. I don't think there's a million they could beat Georgia in a million years. I think they're a good football team. I don't think they're a great football team. I don't think anybody's beating Georgia. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think Bama could beat Georgia. I think Ohio State on the right day could beat. Well, maybe not anymore with the way that their defense. But I don't think there's no chance that Michigan's offense is going to score points against Georgia because you can't win that against a real national championship. You can't win playing that way. That's that's Wisconsin ball and Ohio State usually is immune to Wisconsin ball, you know, and that's what that was. But I wonder if this is going to be a renaissance. Like, now, listen, you know, I've been me and Nick got into an argument about why I think oh, this should be the standard for Michigan. And I just I wonder if this is going to be the thing that elevates them to that standard. It's fair to wonder for sure. I, you know, it's it is. I I would 
think that they're going to go to the playoff, right? If, I th- I'd be surprised if they lost Iowa. I don't, I don't. I haven't seen a line for that yet as of Sunday morning, but I'd imagine they're going to be favored going into that game. They should be. Iowa stinks, uh, at least offensively. Um, yeah, so I think Michigan is going to go to the playoff. If they don't... Not only are they going to go to the playoff, they're going to go to the most advantageous path to the national championship in the history of the seven-year playoff. If they're the two... They're going to play Cincinnati would, in the first round? they would be. Uh, I guess it depends. I think they'd probably play like Oklahoma. Like, if there's a one-loss Big 12. There's no Bama or Clemson waiting for them. Yeah, 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 I mean, they're right. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they actually might be favored in the first playoff game. And if you would have told me before the year started that Michigan is going to make the playoff and be favored, I would have laughed in your face. Like, the fact that this is happening is unbelievable. And I think it's great for the sport. I think it's cool that I think it's cool that there's going to be new blood. And, like, it's funny. we, We... we group Georgia into the mix with the Ohio State, Bama, and Clemsons, but they haven't—they've only been in the playoff one time. So even yeah. though they're kind of the usual suspect as it re- pertains to recruiting results and stuff like that, this is still their first or second rodeo trying to get in there too. So if they're the big bad wolf of the sport this year, they're still new blood to a certain extent as well. So you know, I don't know if we're if Notre Dame is going to backdoor their way into this thing or, or whatever, but. I was gonna say, yeah, I like I like the idea of like everyone clamoring for something different in the playoff, and like the 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 college football hipster version of the playoff was going to include Georgia, Michigan, and Notre Dame. Could you imagine if there were a twelve team playoff this year? I wish there was one. Yeah, I mean, if there was, right. then Ohio State could win a national championship. Maybe that's what's weird. Like that that that's a weird thing to ponder. Like. The, the scenario where this happens again, but Ohio State still gets to play for a national championship, and also like I, I understand this doesn't mean as much as it used to mean, and and you should like recalibrate because this is the nature of college football now. Like the idea that Ohio State can go to Ann Arbor and get its ass kicked and then go to the Rose Bowl <laughs> is kind of strange to me. It's kind of a, it's kind of yeah. A weird. Uh, yeah, well, it is funny because the game. And the way that it went was utterly painful for the fans, I'm assuming, <laughs> that are listening to this podcast and probably are more sick to their stomach than they've ever been in the last you know, 10 years, maybe. Yeah. I think that that is what makes the sport beautiful, and I would push back at the expanded playoff because there should be consequences for losing this game. And in the expanded playoff, it'll just be like, okay, well, we'll see in the playoff then. And it would just be like, that's yeah, not right. what this sport is. So, you know, for... Everybody who was sitting in front of their TV, uh, crisscross applesauce, watching Alabama almost lose to Auburn and seeing traditional powers go down. The reason why we're all fixated on these things is because we know that those teams will no longer be in the national championship discussion if they lose games like this. So the fact is, is we're two years away from this Ohio State team being 10 and 2, getting its butt kicked by Michigan and being deeply flawed from a personnel standpoint on the defensive side of the ball. Um, away from not mattering anymore. And I wrote that column, you know, six months ago, and some people had a weird reaction to it, and some people agreed. And, it, you know, everybody gets to view it the way that they want to view it. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Offensively, Bill, I'm wondering, do you think that Ohio State needs to reassert itself as a power running team? I think their offense I think their offense lacks a physicality. However you want to define that. And the easiest way to define that is running the ball. Yeah. Not that they're not a running team, but you know I think there's a segment of the fan base that 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 wants that, that misses that, that gets aggravated when Ohio State is is playing basketball on grass. Like I, I understand that sentiment. Um I think you need to throw the football to win a national championship. 
I think that's been proven out over the last few years. You need to be a dynamic throwing team to win a national title uh, most years. Maybe this is the year where that's not true, but I think it's been true most years. Um, so they need that, and they have that. But but I do agree there is there is a there's a force a physicality as I said that's missing from this offense. The 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 feeling where like Ohio State can just do what Michigan did, just lean on a team and like take take their will away from them. Like they don't want to be out there anymore because you're just pounding them on every single drive. Like. It just it kills a team, and, and Ohio State has not really been was not able to do that against the best defenses it played this year. That that's the thing. It's like that, and and that's you know we talk a lot about the defense, and rightfully so, and a lot of change has to happen there against the best defenses that Ohio State's played this year. They weren't very good. Like the best defenses, the most efficient defenses were like Nebraska, Penn State, and Michigan, and and those were not good games for this offense. They didn't do enough, and and there's plenty of blame to go around. It's not just one side of the ball, but like. Ohio State's defense got two back-to-back stops against Michigan on Saturday, and the offense couldn't do anything. Like they were, they were playing catch-up. I think the whole game, but but they weren't doing anything to kind of put that game back on even footing. And well, I feel like Ohio State had like nineteen false start penalties. They had five there were a lot of false starts. There were ten ten total penalties. I think seven were on the defense. Um, like weird play calling. It's like I, I don't know. I don't know what's missing there. But there's like a there's like a disconnect. I think there's a disconnect between being a physical offense and then also like when when to like try to turn that on. It's like they're running the ball like second and ten. Like they throw on first and ten, they don't get it. They run on second and ten, and all of a sudden it's third and eight, and Aiden Hutchinson is in your backfield. It's like that's not a good recipe, I think, for for any offense, and, and especially not this one that was struggling the way it was struggling to to block Michigan. Also, you have to, you have to be like aware of the weather too. Not that I'm making this an excuse at all, and you tell me you were there, but it seemed like it was coming down really hard, and it's like in that game, that just passing, like how many times did they, like even that third down, or or that was it a first down pass to Olave that was behind him in the end zone on the first drive there? That was like, the it only just time. Like, that was the only time I thought the weather had an impact because the ball like kind of seemed to slip out of season, slipped hands. out of his hands. Yeah, yeah. But like that um, isn't. I mean, I don't know. I. It's no, just I, th- like I think to there's me, something to that. I think there's something to like late November Big Ten game. It's snowing. The elements aren't great. Let's line it up and play. You can't man play ball like you're in a wins. dome every single game. You yeah. know? No, I yeah. agree. I agree. I think. I think it was. Yeah, you got to you got to line it up and, and see who's who's more physical. And, and Ohio State was not physical enough on either on either line. Um, and I and I think that's that's partly explainable because of recruiting on the defensive side. I think they need to get better up front. They need to bring. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the front. offensive but line though. What's the happening offensive there? line? Like, there's a lot of talent there, <laughs> and when it mattered the most this year, they did not play very well. And I don't like that has, in my opinion, that has to come back on the coaching. And like I know, like Greg Stradrawa, we've given him a lot of shit. Other people have given him a lot of shit for his recruiting. And, and I think there's the, the the counter argument to that was always well, like he does a pretty good job developing the offensive line. And I think that's like a fair argument. I would push back on it a little bit because I don't think the development's been quite to the point that it needs to be. But they also just weren't very good. Like they were to have five, whatever they have, four or five, three or four or five star prospects up there. Um, like guys who might are like in a conversation for first round draft pick stuff. Like they just weren't good. They weren't good. They they, they never like established the line of scrimmage. They didn't they didn't move people when they needed to move people. And like it wasn't just an issue against Michigan. It was been an, it's been an issue in all the most important games. Sometimes they got away with it. Sometimes they didn't. But man, like you want to talk about a, a group that had like tremendous upside and, and I feel like they didn't really come close to maximizing it. Like I might start with that offensive line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't you say that uh, Aiden Hutchinson had like thirteen or fourteen hurries, fifteen pressures for Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah. According so. to Pro Football Focus, yeah, yeah, and it's also I I don't know. It's like when Ohio State loses, you you know how you say like fans have a hard time processing the loss. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time of like focusing on what we should be talking about on the first podcast after it. Yeah, it's like should we be breaking down the game or should we be talking about big picture things? It's just like I wanted to ask you a few things about the game that I thought were odd, mm-hmm. and you tell me if you're with me on this. Okay. One, when Ohio State got was down seven nothing, and they got down into the inside the five yard line there to make it seven to try to make it seven seven, mm-hmm. and they threw that pass to Olave that was behind him. Do you feel strange to you that they didn't try to run it three times and just put it in the end zone from the two? And like, do you think that was like a personification of what was to come at that point? Do you know what I'm talking about? The sequence there at the beginning of the game. I do. Um, 
I I'm okay with excuse me with trying a pass down there and like it was behind Olave. It also hit Olave in the hands. Like it's a tough catch. The throw could have been better. I th- I think he maybe should have caught it. Um, but then it was third and goal from the three, and they got a false start. And then it was third and goal from the eight, and they and CJ Straw got sacked. But like yeah, you should you get inside the five, you should be able to run it three times and score if you're Ohio State. Yeah. And this was not the this was not the first time this year that they were incapable or incapable of doing that. Um, but no, no, I agree, I agree a hundred percent. And I think I think part of that is um, stuff we talked about after like the Penn State game. It's like it's like creativity, like the stuff they started doing the last few weeks with like the jet motion and, and motion in general down in the red zone. Like they didn't do any of that this week. Um, so it's play calling, it's it's execution. I think it's personnel issues on the offensive line when you get into those kind of gritty, you need to get one yard kind of areas. I, I, I do think leverage has been a problem for them, especially on the interior, but also kind of everywhere because everyone's six foot seven. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of things that go into that, but but the the end result is 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 what you said. Like if you if you were inside the five yard line, you get three cracks at it or whatever they had. It was uh, first and goal from the five. They ran for two yards through an incomplete pass, took a false start penalty, then got sacked. You should be able to run the ball three times and score. Yeah, let me ask you this. How do you think C.J. Stroud played? Okay. Um, he missed he, he he missed that touchdown throw to Olave. He missed one later, but they ended up scoring on that drive. So uh, whatever, I'm not going to get hung up on that. Um, I thought he got a little rushed at times, understandably so because of the pressure. Um, but I thought he played okay. Like I'm not – if I'm making a list of things that, that weren't wrong and were bad for Ohio State in that game – uh, I don't. I don't know if I'm putting C.J. Stroud on it or if I am. He's he's pretty far down the list. What did you think? I thought it was just uh, he just does not handle pressure well. I, I don't know that any quarterback does when it's that type of pressure. But he's a different quarterback when he's in the pocket and there's no one in his face than he is when he's being pressured. I think so, he completed like sixty percent of his passes under pressure. Just as a counter to that. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm just. I, I. I know we got stats and stats are stats, but I just watching the game. It just looked like Ohio State's offense was hopeless anytime uh, there were people in the backfield, and that might not be a CJ Stroud thing. That just might be. Oh yeah, no shit, dude. That's football. You know. I, well, I, I think. But, I think the thing that the thing that he that he lacks is is escapability. I think when that stuff starts to happen. Um. So like that is a CJ Stroud thing, but I don't. I. I don't know. I don't know if I would say that he plays poorly under pressure because um, I actually think he's played kind of well under pressure this year and a little bit that he's faced it, um, especially for a retro freshman. But but I do think he is, and not that any other quarterback on the roster has this, but he is missing that that thing that Ohio State has had in the past where like when stuff breaks down like that, the quarterback can do a little something. And, and he had that Yeah, I mean, you're used to seeing Justin end. Fields spin out of Aiden Hutchinson's grip and right. throw a 17-yard dart down the middle of the field like that doesn't exist. Right. So he it's did like have also, that, touch, that touchdown run at the end was nice, but I got called back for holding. Yeah, there was also one play, and I can't remember what sequence it was, and I don't even know if it was a, if it was a zone read or not, but there was a was, play with the game not, on the I know line. The you're talking about. It wasn't a zone read. He could have. I could have walked in the end zone. Yeah. Um, And then, lastly, and I and I, I thought there there are certain times where things happen in games where I think this is this is an indication of the way this game's going. I thought the way that Ohio State couldn't score when they were down seven nothing, like we already addressed. But what did you think about Ryan Day's decision to kick a field goal in the clock management going into halftime? There, I would have tried to score a touchdown. Okay, so I'm not crazy. I think I think you can go either way, and I get like they were getting the ball back. I get that, um, and maybe it's a little bit of revisionist history because, like in the second half, it felt like they could not get Michigan off the field. I guess in the first half they were they were kind of, um, so so I suppose it makes sense to like to think that you had stopped the bleeding a little bit defensively. So you take those points, you get the ball back, you go score, and and maybe if they had gone and scored a touchdown there to start the second half, I would also think of it differently. So there's a lot of things that I think they cloud your judgment on that. But at the time, as it was happening, I thought to myself, like, I could kind of go either way on this. I might lean towards trying to play for the touchdown. But I don't think yeah, it was I an mean, egregious decision to kick. Yeah, no, I don't think it's crazy. But I think that your team takes that thought process, whether it's uh, consciously or subconsciously, into account. Mm-hmm. And I think by going – into that situation timid and kicking a field goal, you're sending an indirect message to your team that you believe that you're going to need those three points at the end of the game, which I think in turn gives both teams 
uh, a mindset of the way that that game was going to go. In my opinion, if Ohio State scores a touchdown there before halftime, you take the air out of that stadium. Yep. You go into the you go into the break, and you get the ball back, and you score again, and all of a sudden you're up two scores, and then Michigan can't do what it did. At that point, there, there's not enough time for them to take a nine minute drive and go six yards a pop down the field, which then turns it into a Cade McNamara thing, which then turns into another potential to throw a dumb pick like he did on the second drive. Yeah, and like to me, like that is if if you're the coach, you might think. Not just about what does the back of the freaking card say because of the stats. You might think, what does all this mean? Because you, you you might not agree with this, but I think kicking a field goal and being down 14-13 with the ball back and settling for field goal and letting time tick off the clock, the difference between that and going forward and forth down and missing it is very little. Like I, oh, yeah, it almost you, like, you, it, it's I, what, what, what's the difference? You're getting the ball back down less than a touchdown. What, so yeah, I feel like you know, either way there that the second you send the field goal team onto the field, Michigan's won. You make it. Yeah, yeah, you're making. Michigan, yeah, won. yeah. Not, not so you're guaranteeing game, not Michigan game, but won that moment. Um, yes, right, right. And but, why do that if they're gonna? Why guarantee them to win a moment when you have a chance to kick them right in the groin? And in a game like this where they had too much confidence or so much confidence going, and I'm not saying that Ohio State would have won this way. But I think if Ohio State scores a touchdown before halftime and is winning at halftime, the game goes differently. Yeah, and I think and I think that's a thing with Ryan Day that, that has that has popped up a couple of times in, in big games, right? Like they, they didn't they like punt like from the plus side of the fifty against Alabama in the national title game, like before that game was out of hand. There are there are time like he touts being aggressive all the time. And like he's very good at being aggressive when Ohio State's up by thirty. But I feel like there are times when like the Which chips is are, dumb the chips are like, really down, yeah. and like and it's like what this takes us like this takes a stone's call, and if you get it, you're going to get ripped. But if you are truly aggressive, you would go for it, and he doesn't go for it. Um, and and I guess there might be people who think like, well, that's poor game management. Of course, you kick there. Maybe you do. Maybe you do. I don't know. But but I do feel like that's that juncture there is where the game was lost, in my opinion. They settled for the field goal. They kicked it. They made it. Whatever. Halftime, they had that dust up in the tunnel, which was awesome, by the way. I feel like that should happen every Ohio State Michigan game. Um, and then I think like they came out of that, and I think Ryan Day was like very intent on like, okay, we had this like everyone's on tilt. We had this little thing in the locker room. We're get the ball. We're gonna come out there. We're gonna run it down their throat, and we're gonna take this game over. They ran it three times on third and two. They got stopped for a two yard loss because they couldn't win the line of scrimmage. And then Michigan gets the ball back and runs it three times for eighty one yards and scores a touchdown. And, like the game was over. That was it. Ball game. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just, you know, I don't know if you also have to identify who you are and just know that, you know, maybe you're just not going to run the ball down someone's throat. And, you know, Garrett Wilson's catch, I think, was the is what Garrett Wilson is and yeah. what Ohio State is to a certain extent, and you're going to win and lose that way, you know. And, you know, I don't criticize them for wanting to try to run the ball. You, you're Ohio State. You should be able to. Especially in that game, too. But, like, I, I feel like I've, I've, like, rewatched some of it. And I've not rewatched it like as intently as I rewatch most games because I don't really think people want to film study on Ohio State Michigan. But it did feel like they were running in the light boxes a lot too, Ohio State was, and they still couldn't get anything going. Like Michigan was playing with two guys over the top because they were worried about those receivers, which which is how I thought they were gonna play it, and Ohio State still couldn't run the ball. Like that is like what's most frustrating about it. It's like you have that massive offensive line, two good tailbacks, one like elite tailback. And you couldn't run the ball when you had the numbers to run the ball. Like that that is that's a bad look for Ohio State. Um Yeah. So so what do you think is next now? Uh I mean there's a lot. There's a lot to to, to get into. We've got um, a lot of podcasts coming up this week, I yeah, bet. So like but I, I just I don't want to like go down too many rabbit holes because we got we need stuff to talk about between now and the bowl game and then after the bowl game, obviously, but like Clearly, I think there's going to be some staff changes here at some point, especially on the defensive side. I mean, I'm looking. I would look at the offensive line situation and figure out if you need somebody new there because it's just it's not. I don't think it's good enough. Um, and it's not just about this game. Again, people who think like we're overreacting to one game, it's not just this game. This game just magnified things. Um, I'm like curious who's going to play in the bowl game and who's not. It could make it interesting if a lot of young guys might play whenever that bowl game is. I, I think that could make it more worthwhile. Opt outs, you think? Yeah, which is like fine. If if you know guys who are going to be first round picks don't want to go play in an exhibition game, like more power to them. I wouldn't play in an exhibition game. Would you opt out of the Rose Bowl? 
yeah yeah me too <laughs> different it's a different it's a different world man that's like yeah no i know it's just like what did uh what did, what the, what did marshawn say protect your chicken yeah you gotta protect your chicken yeah um so i think that's that's what we, we're going through now the next couple of weeks and i also think there's some interesting stuff at quarterback too like oh yeah <laughs> i didn't even I don't, want to bring it up <laughs> i, I know like, i think I, like this there are many conversations to have about this moving forward but like i want to tell you something before you go down this and i'll okay. let you finish but I live in Texas now, as everybody knows. I got to say, in Dallas, Texas, I have, I gotta, I gotta send you this video about something in Dallas that I thought was funny after the show. That's not appropriate, and I'd probably get fired up, is it? But I've made friends here with Brit's friends. Yeah, and they all are college football nuts because this is Texas, and they all like UT and and A and M, and they text me during Ohio State games now, and I had a Texas fan texting me the entire game. Like, why is Ohio State sucking? Why does C.J. Stroud playing like ass? Why can't they throw? Because he wants a scenario where Quinn Ewers wants to transfer home. And, like, (laughs) yesterday he was devastated because now he thinks that Quinn Ewers has a chance to take the job next year. And I find that to be quite funny that people that other fan bases are still following this. Yeah. But it is kind of interesting that his his 5,000-yard view of what's going on at Ohio State is going to be – a discussion point in July. Yeah. Anyway, uh, do I want to say this? I guess I'll say it. Everyone knows what, what I'm a getting. Podcast. At. Come on. No, buddy. no. I, I just don't want to. I just don't want to say a thing that then starts like another forty minute conversation. Why not? Um, because I want to drive home. <laughs> I know, but we've only been going for thirty five minutes. And get away and get away from this shitty internet. Dude, you know how sometimes you're watching a sitcom like King of Queens, which I like to watch before bed because it calms me and it's kind of my life. Mm. Uh, chubby guy ends up with hot chick he's kind of funny and eccentric she's like the man of the house you know it's kind of it's kind of like my uh you got jerry stiller running around in your house well her mom's a little weird (laughs) um i'm just kidding uh but the and my dad's a little weird too let's be honest (laughs) that's insane yeah um love a guy couldn't love a man more but, like, you know how they have to be continued sometimes at the end of sitcoms? Yeah, like yeah. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and then they just pick up next? We can do uh-huh. that. Yeah, well. Because we're going to record another one on Tuesday, right? Yeah, at some point this week we're recording another one, yeah. Yeah. Um, CJ Shroud's not going to win the Heisman. He is not going to lead Ohio State to the playoff. And I think if he did those things, it would have been really hard. Jake Fromm to scenario. Have, to have, like, a truly open competition for quarterback. And it's not like CJ's been awesome this year. I think CJ is very good and going to get better. But I think the fact that he's not going to have those things like like might creak the door open just a little bit to make this a little more of a competition than maybe we thought it was going to be. <laughs> but it's not just. I, I, but I think that's. I think most rational. It's real, buddy. It's that. real. Yeah. No, I'm not saying it's bullshit. I think it's real. And you listen, man. There is a legitimate chance that Quinn Ewers is a better quarterback than CJ Stroud, and I think it's okay to admit it. I think it's okay to say it. We don't know that for sure. We don't know that for sure, but the way that the man was rated, he sh- he should be really, 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 really good. And even if C.J. Stroud is an 85 on the Madden score or a 90 even on the Madden score, there's a chance that Quinn Ewers is a 96. And if that happens, then you need to address it. And I think by addressing it, it's much easier to navigate the tr- reality of the quarterback situation when the dude isn't returning from a playoff berth on a Heisman Trophy. And I think what this does is it at least safeguards Ohio State. And listen, maybe C.J. Stroud will will win the job again next year. I'm not saying that he's now out of a job. What I am saying is, is that the good news is that Ohio State is no longer in the Jake Fromm, Georgia scenario, where you don't have this guy who led the team to a national championship race who is the clear heart and soul, quote-unquote, of the team, that you can't bench for political reasons because you don't want to lose your locker room. Like, all that bullshit that we heard from Georgia fans after they let Justin Fields go. Like, if Ohio State sticks with C.J. Stroud and he turns out to be like Jake Fromm, I'm not saying that he's... He's not. He's already better than Jake Fromm. Listen, I'm not saying comparing him in his skill set. I know he's better. I'm just saying if he turns out to be this is what he is and Quinn Ewers goes to Texas and wins the frickin' Heisman and becomes the first pick in the draft, then Ohio State should be criticized the same exact way that I criticize Georgia. Because as the coach of the team who makes, what, eight 
$9 million a year. And as a quarterback guru, Ryan Day, seven. seven. Well, let me change my whole point. <laughs> Ryan Day needs to be able to identify that. So I'm very curious to see how it's talked about, how it's discussed. If you're at the Rose Bowl and you have media availability, I cannot wait for everybody to be around Quinn Ewers to talk to him. It's going to be a fun time. You're going to be in a tent. There's going to be a taco truck. I know the deal. Last time that happened, Tate Martell was making jokes about how he's going to beat Justin Fields out for the job. So, like, funny things happen at the Rose Bowl. I will say that I'm very curious about where it goes, and I think that there is a – it's weird because Garrett Wilson's gone. Chris Olave's gone. Jeremy Ruckert's gone. Their offensive line is gone. Like, this is the renaissance of a new offense. And that offense and who that quarterback is for that offense is going to be a very – very interesting thing to see unfold because it's going to be quarterback and Henderson and then everybody and Jackson Smith, the Jigba that right there. Great nucleus. Everything else like the quarterback. I mean, this is going to be fun. You forgot to say Donovan Jackson. No. Yeah. Well, I don't <laughs> say the Lord's name in vain. So <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I think I you're right. And, and I think, you know, people might've been just ticked off there about like, it's not <clears throat> who's ticked I think, off. About people, what? people, people think we neg CJ Stroud. I'm not no, negging. No, I think no, CJ Stroud. I, I think CJ Stroud like is good enough to win a national title. Like I think he is that good. I think I think that highly of him. Um, he is very good. But there are. I think there would have been extenuating circumstances that would have made it really difficult for Ryan Day to like truly have a competition for the starting quarterback job. And I think those are off the table now. And he could open it up if he wants to. And if he does, listen, CJ Stroud can win. Like, absolutely can win. He probably will win if they do that. Um. But I just think it's more of a thing now than it would have been had CJ won the Heisman. Do you actually think he probably will win because it's the politically correct thing to say? No, I think he's good, man. There's no politics about it. I think he's good. Okay. I know I think he's good, too. The question is whether or not you think that Quinn Ewers has a chance to be great. I think they all have a chance to be great. I have no idea. Like, like, I get it. Quinn Ewers was the perfect quarterback recruit. I totally get it. I, I, I... Stars are important. Stars matter. I like he is the perfect. You know, I made it through this entire podcast without talking about stars. I'm just saying we have to be open to the possibility that CJ Stroud, for how good he is this year and how great his potential is, might be the second best quarterback on the roster right now. Yeah, and I also think we need to be open to the possibility that he's the best quarterback on the roster. Absolutely. Right now. We of course we are. Of course we are. It's not offensive. I mean, I don't know why people would be mad. Nobody's saying that CJ Stroud sucked this year. He didn't suck this year. I think he played exactly what I would have expected him to play based on what we thought about who he was coming into the year. Yeah. Most great moments. I mean, dude, the Heisman favorite uh, 48 hours ago. Like, literally, the odds were that he was the Heisman favorite. Bryce Young's a favorite now, by the way. Why Why? Why is this happening? He won the Heisman last night. Any? I, did you read my column? Yeah. I read I yours. Did. Nobody. You nobody with me? Nobody watched the, the Heisman-Michigan game, I guess. Yeah, like I'm not, I'm not voting. For, why are we voting for Bryce Young? Because he scored on two point conversions, ninety seven yard touchdown drive at the end of the game. Yeah, I was watching. No, in my that's car. not why people are voting for Bryce Young. People are voting for Bryce Young because they lack the critical thinking ability to pick somebody who's not a quarterback. And frankly speaking, I don't think most Heisman voters know shit about college football and even know who some of these guys are. Yeah, like if you don't, if you're not a big college football nut, you might not even know who Will Anderson is. But you have to watch the games to know who these these players are, and you have to watch them intently. So what do people do? They say, well, who's the the team that is in the national championship race and who has the most recognizable quarterback? Oh, Bryce Young, I'm going to put him in there. What do you think people do in our straw poll at the Athletic? Look look at the straw poll. Everybody was voting for C.J. Stroud and, and Bryce Young last week, and I thought that was insane. Yeah. Go, go, I want to check tape? Not us. Not us, right, buddy? Yeah. Um. I, I think that this year of all years – the Heisman, and I honestly, I and I don't know if this is a bad bad for business because I was actually asked to write the Heisman column. Does anybody even give a shit about the Heisman? Like, like <laughs> no, so not, I don't think I, I don't so think they care as much as it's it's one of those it's yet another example where I don't think the public actually cares as much as sports writers do. <laughs> it's like a weird thing of like Heisman watch, Heisman straw poll, Heisman discussion, Heisman column. It's like. There's so much energy put into that to, into that trophy, and I'm like, if I were a casual fan, I don't think I'd really, you know, I'd be like Bill Burr. It's like, you know what? I don't think I really give a fuck. <laughs> <You know? It's> like, <laughs> I was I was thinking though, in, as it relates to Ohio State, I don't know how it goes at other programs, but like, 
if you want a Heisman Trophy at Ohio State, at some point they're going to put your name in Ohio, like in your number in Ohio State. I know. Like it's still, like, it's still me. Like if you think about, if you think about all the players who have worn number seven in Ohio State history, Ted Ginn Jr., Chris Gamble, some of the greatest players that you'll ever see. I thought it was funny, and I did think that it would be interesting to see number seven retired with C.J. Stroud on the scoreboard, as if like he even comes close to measuring up to what those guys did. Yeah, it's not retired. They don't retire. Yeah, you know anymore. what I mean. You know yeah. what I mean. Somebody else could wear it, but it would have been it would have been interesting, yeah, to see to see that up there. But that, I mean, that's that is what is at stake when we talk about the Heisman. But I don't know if that's a, that case everywhere. But yeah, it is at yeah. Ohio State. But I I don't know if people at Ohio State right now listening to this podcast care who wins the Heisman. It's just like I no, think it's that not going to be a Buckeye. So why would they care? I think that voting for Bryce Young is lazy, and I think voting for C.J. Stroud before this week was lazy. Yeah. Vote a defensive player for the Heisman. Yeah, I think that in a year where Ohio State, Clemson, and maybe Alabama aren't playing for a national championship and are missing the playoff, a year where conferences are expanding and disbanding, Power 5 and what we know it is changing, and the fact that the playoff is on the verge of expanding to 12 teams, this is the year to get kind of funky. And Love to get funky. My ballot I already submitted to Fortuna was easy as hell three defensive players. They're the three most outstanding players in college football this year, and I hope one of them wins it. And the fact of the matter is, is Bryce Young will win it because people can't can't analyze the sport right. Yeah, I haven't set mine in yet, but I will probably. There's also too many Heisman voters. Yeah, there's like 900 of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. And I think that the 900 voters, like it's only like 10% of the formula. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Let's get back to talk about Ohio State Michigan. Uh, what did you think of Jim Harbaugh's quote after the game? I loved that he said it because it makes the rivalry back. And, like, I was so starved. I think everybody's so starved for the rivalry. Like, everybody, like, immortalizes the Marcus Hall double bird, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, like, every single thing that happens in this rivalry. Like, how did Cam Brown not get ejected, by the way? I actually... He took a helmet off of a human being and threw it 25 yards in, in an opposing stadium. I'm not saying he... Did, I don't know. You were there. You saw it. It didn't look like he started the altercation. He did not But it looked it. like he finished it pretty good. <laughs> he, he certainly escalated it. He did not yeah, start it. Yeah. Um, all these things are cool, and I'm surprised. I'm, I'm sorry because like I had to write takeaways or, or contributed to Sunday takeaways this week, and I this is what I did because I didn't see the quote in anyone's story. I think Jim Harbaugh was a snarky asshole when he started, which made it entertaining, and then he kept losing, and then he stopped saying things, mm-hmm. and like the second that he won, it was like. Walking right back in on stage, like I'm ready to ride. Yeah, and I think that's good because I enjoy watching people talk shit and people saying things. Um, and I also understand to a certain extent why he might not like Ryan Day after the Hang on 100 comment on him. Yeah, it is interesting. I don't me- know that I would categorize Ryan Day's emergence at Ohio State as not hitting a triple, though. You mean like he was all Harbaugh was off base on that? I don't know that I agree with him. Like, do I mean, you he certainly, he certainly worked his way up. Third base? He certainly worked his way up to Ohio State for sure. Like, I think he, he earned that along the way. Um, he was definitely given the keys to a Ferrari. I think he stole third. I think he hit a double. <laughs> he hit a double third. and stole third. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's yeah. right. Maybe that's right. Um, but I mean, yeah, the man, I think they, the man the insinuation, worked up naturally, though. Yeah, the insinuation there is that like Ryan Day hasn't worked for anything he's earned, which is like not true, <laughs> and like kind yeah. of a, kind of a shitty thing to say. Um, but also, I like I. But what is he? What is he communicating there, Bill? Is he saying 
that working at Ohio State is easier than working at Michigan, so shut the fuck up? Is that what he's saying? Yeah. Your job is easy. You inherited a machine. Talk to me when you have to build a program and build a team up like I had to. I think is what he's saying. Okay. But and it's it is like, I don't know. I feel like oh, the, I think Ohio State and Michigan like has always been defined by like the emotion of things. I'm not so sure it's ever been defined by like verbal verbal yeah. jabs back and forth. Um, so like I'm curious what people think of that. Like I, I like Ryan Day, for all we know, like did tell his team he was going to hang a hundred on Michigan, and like I think like turnabout's fair play, and maybe Jim Harbaugh went a little too far with what he said. Um, but I think if the end result is like we're back in a position where like Michigan is not going to back down from Ohio State anymore, and like Ohio State got a uh, wake up call that like it's not. It's not a given that you're going to win this game every year. And because of that, like, the game is going to be back to, like, an emotion-filled angst fest like it should be. Because it was an angst fest. I think that's a good thing. Right. Uh, well, like, maybe it's Brandon, not a good thing for you listen, people listening, but I think it, I think it's good for no, them. No, angst is good. That's why we like the sport. Like, that's the whole thing. Like, it's like, of course it's good. Like, why would you want to wake – I mean, I know everybody will has their own take on how they view the rivalry – some people will root for Michigan now in the playoff, and some people won't. Um, some people root for Michigan before the game. Some people don't. Everyone's got their own viewpoint and how they, they like to, to view this game. That said, next year when we do our podcast, it's going to be very different. Yeah. And it's going to be good. And the stories that you write are going to be better. And the things we talk about are going to be more interesting. And the fact that people are, are nervous during the game is what the rivalry is about. And I think that as shitty as it is that this happened, you can go watch that HBO documentary that everybody was making fun of me on and actually feel a little bit of a connection to it again for the first time in over a decade. And I think that's pretty cool. So, you know, I don't know what is going to happen. I, I we, we don't know exactly how this is all going to play out in terms of the competitiveness of the rivalry. Ohio State still is recruiting infinitely better than Michigan. Yeah, you know, that's that's the thing. Like Ohio State could win the next nine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 for sure, absolutely. But it's also interesting too, and I, maybe we can talk about this some other, you know, the next show. But what does Michigan do from here is more fascinating than what Ohio State does from here, because yeah. in a world where Mel Tucker and James Franklin got ten-year Illuminati <laughs> contracts, what do you do to the guy who now beat Ohio State in a rivalry game and won the Big Ten potentially? Like he that that dude gets his bag back, right? And like, oh, I don't know about. Uh, what I do you don't mean know. you don't know how? Like, you got well, I think I think his contract dollar deals flying around. Here. I think his contract might be incentive laden in the way that he's going to get some of that back anyway. But um, yeah, he is, he is. But I mean, just like guaranteed back now. Just like flip it back to what it was before, because he beat Ohio State one time. This is like literally. Like, this is the thing that was driving me insane on Twitter yesterday, and not to start another twenty minute discussion, but you can't spend all freaking year discussing how this is the only game that matters and that this is the thing that separates Ohio State and Michigan from the rest of the sport and that this is the game that is defining coaches and all this stuff and then say it's just one game. Like, this is literally a but it is just one game altering win for Jim Harbaugh. It changes literally you wanna, you every wanna single bet, you thing about his of You want to bet millions of dollars on They bet on millions of dollars on freaking James Franklin. They bet what? $100 million on Mel Tucker, Right. Yeah, because those guys were not? going. Yeah, but because they were going to leave. Like, is Jim, if Jim Harbaugh is going to leave for another job, then yes, maybe give him more money and more years on his contract because you think he's your guy and he stays. If Jim Harbaugh is not flirting with LSU and USC, no, you're not incentivized. He beat Ohio State one time. He, I think he the lost entire, the first five. The, I think the entire narrative around Jim Harbaugh and what he was incapable of doing has shifted as a result of this one game. I think it could be shifting. I think it shifted a little bit. I don't think you just do it once and everything's okay now. Like it's, it's I think more, you it's more do it once. Yeah, no, I know. If they lose the next three in a row, you'll be like, okay. I, I, but right now, as we sit here right now, Jim Harbaugh beat Michigan or beat Ohio State in a in an ass whooping. Is about to win the Big Ten. Is going to go to the playoff and actually might play for a national championship this year. Mm-hmm. Those are all things that everybody questioned that he was even capable of doing. The fact that he's done that at Michigan, which believe it or not, is. 48 hours ago, we were being yelled at by Nick Baumgartner about how it's a second-class team. 
doing all those things is maybe one of the most impressive coaching jobs coming off the heels of a disaster of a season last year than anybody in the Big Ten has done in the last five years. He's so right, like, I think he's coach of the year, yeah. Yeah, and if he's coach of the year after doing all those things, think about what we thought about Jim Harbaugh on Thursday and think about what we think about him now. It's a completely that, – that bullet point on his resume alters the way I view him forever. Because he, did, yeah, I, that not not for me, not for me. I'm I'm I am tremendously impressed by the coaching job he did this year. I thought he was capable of it. I thought he was just a weirdo who didn't know how to recruit and was too arrogant to admit that he wasn't as good as the other team and was making a ton of money and has lineage to Michigan, but like literally was not a coach and couldn't coach himself out of his own hat. And like yeah, the fact he got that the big he one, spent, he's never been able to get. Yeah, yeah, he and against a team that he was never supposed to beat. So like to me, he's earned my respect. I'm sure he appreciates it. I don't think he cares. But I do think that... When he said there were people who were talking shit about him in his press conference, I thought he was talking about you. I mean, I was just saying things that were fair, but now <laughs> I think this is fair. More context reserves the right to change their mind, and I will say that I thought that Jim Harbaugh was a donkey, and I was wrong. <laughs> he, I mean, yeah, he had he had Ohio State's number. He had, he had his team ready to play. Like they were, and Ohio State was not ready. It's like play. I don't know. Like did Michigan just completely change the way that they prepared for the game all year? That's like the one thing I thought about with from from uh, Nick Baumgartner's column and the discussion that we had with Nick last week was that he had people in his office and you know had him change their approach and stuff. And it's like I wonder with his willingness to take advice and listen and change if he unlocked the secret that was missing. It's certainly possible. You know, and if yeah, that's the sure. case, and I'm not saying that Michigan's all of a sudden going to beat Ohio State for the next five years in a row, but if the days of 59 to 27 are over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I think maybe that's more, maybe like a more pragmatic way of looking at it. But I, I, I honestly, I don't like the, the, the talent discrepancy is what it is. And like, I don't, unless maybe Michigan win a national championship this year and start recruiting differently, but... Ohio State's always going to be the more talented team, and as long as Ryan Day, whoever the head coach is in perpetuity, can maximize that, like I think Ohio State is going to be winning probably more often than it loses. But um, not the first time in this rivalry that the less talented team played a better game and won. So yeah, the interesting thing to me will be, and I you've heard me bang my fist against the table for the last five years about what Michigan's potential is. They finally did the one thing that was seemingly holding them back from ever accelerating. I saw they got a few crystal balls for for four-star high-end prospects on Saturday before the game started. Is if they can take whatever happens this year, don't go shit your pants against Iowa, go win the game, and take whatever they can with the Big Ten Championship and a win over Ohio State to start recruiting at a higher level and, and not just finish number 11, 12, 13, 10, finish five, and actually make this conference a two a two team race, and that to me is what Jim Harbaugh's job is now. Like now he beat Ohio State, everything's okay again. Blah blah blah. Now go build the program into something that isn't shocking the world every time they do this. And like that to me is more interesting. Now I don't know if we're ready to wind this down, but I want to. I have my to be continued discussion that we can start again on Tuesday. Okay. And I didn't want to ask you this now. Or at the beginning, because I just would have gone off the rails when we had to talk about the game. But somebody sent me a tweet, and it might just be a psychopath fan, <laughs> or it might be somebody who is an insightful person as it relates to how he views his team. Not that Ryan Day is on the hot seat or anyone anywhere near the hot seat. But how do Ohio State fans view their coach now? Being one and one against Michigan not really making much adjustments in the three games where defensive issues. I mean, they made adjustments, but clearly have issues that are, that spanned multiple seasons and have cost multiple national championships. Like, does Ryan Day... My thought is that Ryan, we're going to be reminded about how transcendent of a coach Urban Meyer really was in the next few years. But I'm wondering, what do you think is crucial for Ryan Day next? And is he ever in danger at all of losing the fan base? I think anytime you lose in Michigan, yeah, I think I think that's probably the case, right? And it's been like historically the the deal with this program. You have to beat Michigan. So <clears throat> um he's one on one and and missed a game that they probably would have won, but you know, you don't get to count that. So you know, I I don't know if it matters <coughs> excuse me, matters much. 
if he loses the fan base, it matters if he loses the trust of his athletic director, and he hasn't. So, like, I don't think he's like I, I like even hesitate to say the words Ryan Day and Hot Seat in the same sentence because, like, I don't think we're anywhere. Near we're nowhere that near it. Galaxy. We're nowhere near it. But I wonder if how many years we could be away from it. Like, do you do you start thinking about those types of things, or is it just like one game, no big deal? Uh, not no. I don't start thinking about those things now. If they lose to Michigan next year and they don't make the playoff again next year, maybe. I think it's fair. I think I think it's fair given what the expectations are for Ohio State's program. Um, but I also I don't, I, don't, I I I do wonder where Ohio State fans would land on that because you're right. They've come up short. Like, what do Ohio State fans think of Ryan Day right now? Like, I think it was a mistake for me to even say the word hot seat because I think that that is stupid and it detracts away from what I'm trying to say, which is, do you think Ohio State fans have lost kind of confidence or are losing confidence or the the temperament that they have toward their head coach is shifting right now? I think I think it probably is mostly because you're still caught up in the moment. I think if you take a step back and look at the way that he's addressed some things, like – in season, out of season, um, how he how he responded to lose it to Clemson in twenty nineteen, and then came back and beat him in twenty twenty. Like I think there are some things that can inspire confidence there. Like a lot of things that can inspire confidence. So I'm, I don't I don't think he's lost much once you can re- you remove yourself from the emotion of losing to Michigan for the first time since two thousand eleven. Um, but I would be interested to hear that too. And I don't know. We have the email thing for a reason. Like if you're listening to this and you have thoughts on just sort of how you're feeling at the moment about the program or the head coach or, or where things are going, like send them to us. We'll read them, we'll read through them and get a better idea of, of where that is. But I think it's a hard thing to answer because of the emotion of the moment. But I'd like, I like, I don't, again, Ryan day. I think, I think that Ryan day will probably end up proving himself to be the, the you know, the right guy here in the long term. Yeah. I, I, I trust that to be the case too. All right, Bill. Good luck on those icy roads on the way home. Miss you. Really sorry that you're not coming out here. It kind of sucks, but you know, enjoy Pasadena, and don't you dare go to freaking In and Out. Don't you? Don't I can't even, wait. Don't can't even wait look to go at get it. a double double. Don't even look at style. it. Style. Honestly, if you see it on the road, look the other way. Throw in the garbage and then go, you're no longer go get welcome. A Baconator. Yeah. Not welcome. Not welcome. Not allowed to go to In and Out because I had the audacity to say that I like a Wendy's cheeseburger. Also, correct. That's yeah. it. All right. Thanks. That was four to six with A and B. We'll talk to you guys on Tuesday. <laughs>